Uh, okay. So, I think there's a lot of good stuff in here. I just think I took too many notes, per usual. So, okay, we'll just make sure I don't just ramble. I did just summarize the plot in one paragraph, five sentences. <sighs> just summarize the gist of the movie, and let's just get into themes. And then, if we haven't talked about a theme that needs more plot, we can we can talk about that first. Okay, that's the easiest way to do this. All right, I believe in you. I believe. I believe that we. I believe that we can do this. Welcome back to the Christ in Culture. This is Clint. And this is Gordon. And we're excited to be back for another week with you. On this podcast. On this show. Gosh, we're always so weird. So, right now, time traveling, when this episode drops, I will be visiting my family in Iowa. Where's that? What's that? Iowa is a state known, ironically, not for its corn, like many people think but actually for soybeans and pigs and supposedly the inventor of sliced bread. So come at us. We have that. Anyways, I'm visiting Iowa, specifically Eastern Iowa to uh, visit my family. And the reason why I haven't announced this before on air is because it's actually a surprise that I'm coming back. Oh, hey. Yeah. So I don't think anyone who I'm trying to surprise is listening to this, but I wanted to be sure. So, I am surprising my little brother, who is a senior in high school, and I have lived in Texas the entire time that he's been in high school, so I've never gotten to go to any of his performances and stuff. He's in theater and choir and band and stuff like that. Well, I don't think he's in band anymore, Um, but I've never gotten to go and support him, so I'm flying back to Iowa to surprise him at his final musical performance. He was super excited. He got uh, the the role that he wanted in the musical. So I'm going to show up on Thursday, hide for a day and a half, and then not let him know that I'm there until the first performance Friday evening and then hang out with him for the weekend. Nice. So, Well, then to little Clint, shout out. Clint Jr. Clay. Shout out. Actually, when you say little Clint, he's actually six foot four and like, the biggest of the entire family. It's funny because I was thinking like, you know, like the Little Bill show. Yeah. I was Lil thinking Bill. like that, but like you, but that. Yeah, I know. He's big. But so it's... You can see it. There's a picture right there. He's the one on the left. He's not 6'4". Uh, he was only in like eighth How grade tall in that are picture. You? <laughs> uh, I'm 5'7". Yeah. So he's like 5'8". What? No. First off, that's in junior high. I wasn't graduating college in that picture. Anyways, moving on. All right. <laughs> what is Clay taking in? Uh, actually, I think he's been taking in the new Star Wars Clone Wars because he's been texting me, and I keep having to tell him that... Uh, you can't text. I. Well, no, I can text him. <laughs> but I haven't been able to watch it because of Exodus. So I told him to wait until Easter so we could talk about it. But hopefully he's just watching it without me. So. Sometimes there's sometimes there's just 
me and Lizzie ridiculously joke about things we can't do that aren't things we actually can't do because we're both kind of doing like sure Exodus everything things. you joke about is ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, uh, what's Clay's brother been taking in? Uh, well, it depends which one, but I'll just go with myself for the okay. sake of time. That's cool. So more books as usual. You guys are going to be tired of me just giving you books all the time. But so the first one is actually a really well known book that i strongly disliked the gunslinger by stephen king i didn't like it at all are you are going through the whole series i just read the first one and i don't want to go any further i don't i haven't read it so i don't want to look at you like that but i heard from people that have read like the whole thing anyone that's read like most or found all of it it's like one of the best series ever ever and also one of the best things stephen king has ever written yeah i i didn't like it I don't know. I've heard a lot of really good things, and I went in. Maybe that was I the problem. I think you have to just get past. I don't know about that one, because even the movie wasn't like good, apparently. But just keep going. Yeah. For me, at least, so I can know if it's true. And maybe I'll try it. I don't know. <laughs> you have the will that I don't. The, yeah. You are my only hope. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah, so I that one was an audiobook, and I don't know. I, I wasn't a, f- a fan. And to be honest, I'm not generally a fan of any, like, westerns. And mm-hmm. so this is like mm-hmm. a pff, apocalyptic western, yeah. I guess, is the way to describe it. And so I'm not a huge fan of apocalyptic or westerns. And so the combination just wasn't fitting me either. And there was some weird, like, religion, like, post-Christian stuff totally. they are throwing in that was just really weird and confusing, too. Have you ever read any Stephen King not at length, no. I think I've okay. read like ex- excerpts. Okay. I was just curious if it was possibly to his writing or if it, it was, could be. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know either. So, not a huge fan of that. And actually, another one that a lot of people are going to be mad at me for for not liking is another classic, Dune. So um, I'm really ab- about to finish it. It got better as I've gone through it. Um, but the first like half, I was just like, I don't know what's going on. This is a really weird like concept. Okay. But as I got like three quarters or so through, I was like, okay, this actually is starting to form. Yeah. And so I've enjoyed the end of the book a lot more than the beginning, but it took me a while. That's one of Hawk's like favorite books. It's one of the supposedly one of the greatest sci-fi books. Yeah. Of all time. But I know like him and even his priest who's read it a few times. They, they've said they liked it usually the second time. Okay. So it might be... And that be, would make sense. Yeah. I think... So it, it's compared a lot to The Lord of the Rings. Okay. And I can see that where... Lord of the Rings, I, I understand, like, for most people, is, like, super complex, like, hard to understand, too. I think because I had previous knowledge of it, it was easier to read through it. But maybe that's what's happening here, where I just don't... I'm diving into this whole world of stuff. Is it universe. slow too? It is. It's it's a long book. It's um, like most a lot of world building up front. Up front, up front. Yeah. yeah. And then it like skips three years. Yeah. And it's just like three years later, and I'm like, whoa, okay. Because it, what it makes me think of is uh, Blade Runner, and then Blade Runner 2049. One was like with um, the in, movies, Indiana Jones. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because that those movies, I think are incredible like story-wise but also cinematically and it's just because they're one ahead of their time but also because it's just it's this world that's being built Mm -hmm. like this really 
I wouldn't say beautiful world, but beautiful world and the idea of how it's done. But if you're watching it and you're not one to like be able to like really pay attention if it's not grabbing you, it's just really slow at doing it. And they have to build the world before the story starts. Right. And the story really doesn't take place to like the th- latter third of the movie. Mm-hmm. Both of them are the same way. And it, I think Dune reminds me of, of that, but like on a more grandiose scale. Yeah. And it's a really long book. So I've... Yeah. It's like this thick. Yeah. With like small font. Like, yeah. For those of you who can't see how big that was, it was very, very thick. It's like over a thousand pages. I don't have the, the book. I have it like downloaded on my phone. Mm. I have like the... So it doesn't the page number doesn't translate to like phone size you know there's a movie right i feel like there is i think there is but i i don't know i feel like patrick i think they're about to to redo it too maybe i don't know anyways so that one got better as things went on and then ink spell by cornelia funk Mm -hmm. so i mentioned uh the the original the first the first book in that series i just read like a week or two ago or a couple weeks ago however long it was so this is the second one and they actually get stuck into the book this time so rather than reading stuff out of the book they read themselves into the story so a little bit different yep and then what if that happened to like the bible uh that's called a nation meditation (laughs) (laughs) kind of literally yeah Uh, well i get it i get it that'd be kind of wild and then because I'm averaging like two Morgan Rice books a week because they're super short and cheap, and by cheap I mean free, I read A Forge of Valor, and I've decided, I don't know why I read these books, other than the fact that they're free, because I literally think they're one of the worst series like I've ever read in my life. The characters will like, so every chapter is exactly the same, and as far as like story progression, it's impossible task they do nothing they are so devastated they want to just die and then some mysterious power makes everything perfect for them and then by the end of the chapter something else bad happens and then the next character and it just keeps repeating for like 50 chapters every book and i'm just like this is so frustrating there's nothing happening but i keep reading and i don't know why i'm like 10 books in so like I'm kind it. of invested. You in this like one. it? I like. So here's the thing. I I was thinking about this a couple of days ago. I think I enjoy the concept of the story, right? But I hate the way that it's written. Yeah, but it's one of those. It's one of those things where, like, you know, with certain things of cult followings, mm-hmm. where people like understand that it's bad, but yeah. they like it for some reason you're kind of like i mean you're not you're not i'm not saying you're like yeah. that with this you're not like in the cult following of the series but you're 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 dipping your foot in and you're kind of like you know the temperature like you don't like the way the pool looks but it feels yeah it looks okay dirty okay to get in you're like, it feels nice <laughs> it looks dirty but it's 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 hot outside and this is a cool pool yeah 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 but it's like one of those like you said world building like it has a map and everything so like i get invested in like the cities and this like like fake world this fantasy world and, like, that's the kind of stories that I enjoy. And it does have, like, an interesting concept, but they never really give you any story progression. Right. I think it's so, also probably because, you know, there's more books. And so you just, you always have this hope, like, yeah, there's going to be one really well, good chapter. And they're free and they're cheap. So I'm like, uh, what do I have to really lose? Did you just say they're free and they're cheap? Oh, yeah. They're short and they're cheap. <laughs> I was like, can you pay the, for them? Because no. you don't have to. They're short and they're free. 
That's what I was trying to say. Yeah, but they're, so they're short enough that like you can just cruise through them in like a day or two. Yeah, and if you're you, right? Well, okay. If no, I get it. Yeah, they're really not that long. Yeah, and because they're free, like I'm not losing anything. Like, how many poops does it take to get to this book? I don't think that's a real t- measurement of time. That is okay. Well, for reading. I I'll do some research and let you know. Oh, okay. And then just two songs. We'll go through those real quick. So one I've mentioned before is Invitation by Rita West. Mm-hmm. I've definitely mentioned this several times on here, but I don't think I've mentioned how awesome it is and like how much it's really stuck with me. So I found this song when we were preparing for our middle school camp. And so it's called Invitation, but it's it's all about like laying your burdens down and like coming to like it's an invitation to come to Christ and like give him all your struggles. But it's sung through his perspective. And it's just this really, really beautiful song. So if you're feeling overwhelmed, go check it out. It's super awesome. Nice. And the last thing is another song. I started playing guitar again this week. And as I was playing, my roommate, Davis, suggested that I my voice would work well with the song Zombies by the Cranberries. And I was like, that's a really weird choice. Uh, so I learned it and started practicing yeah yeah so that's all i got which also is another irish song so in a way even though i'm not listening to my celtic music it's sung by an irish band so about the irish civil war yeah yeah okay and what are you what about you what are you taking in uh not not a whole lot i remember that i watched another film i'm bringing i'm I'm bringing the films to the table, illegally. Uh, I <laughs> not like I I it was, I totally watched this film legally, um, but I watched uh, Zom. What is it? Zombie Land Two. Double tapped. Yeah, two. Double tapped. I think that's what's called. Really? Like double tap the trigger? Well, like, did you see the first one? Yeah. That's like rule number one or two. No, rule number one is cardio. Rule number two or three is double tap, which means like make sure they're dead. Shoot them a second time. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, and so this sequel is called zombie land double tapped that's a rule that's a thing in paintball too yeah you double tap yeah yeah yeah. so i watched that it was good it was fun just another zombie movie um it was almost like a zombie land uh side quest rather than like a full quest yeah okay yeah that's how it felt and then uh as far as i mentioned listening to a bunch of other podcasts one that we've talked about here before but it's just another one that i've included in that realm of things they can listen to is uh jimmy aiken's mysterious world so i've already listened to some of it i know you love it but i'm just been going through more of those and so listen like the watergate episode Mm. and other and like things that are really like fascinating that i never thought were like mysteries but definitely things i've always been intrigued by and now getting to hear i love the the historical ones have you gotten to any of the egyptian ones yet i got to the pyramid one oh yeah so good yeah there's one with uh, the heretic pharaoh. Mm, like, it, there it's yet. so no. good. So like, good. I like the the f- uh, the other gospels or the un the yeah or what's called the lost gospels. The lost gospels. Yeah. yeah. And then two the two episodes I haven't listened to it yet. Two episodes from now, whenever I get a new phone, I can listen to the uh, Red Sea Scrolls, which I'm really excited about. The Dead Sea Scrolls. Dead Sea Scrolls. That one is Red Sea, Dead Sea, amazing. Yeah, I, I believe it. 
That's, yeah. that's one of my favorite ones. Too. And even, it's not even like, I mean, I, I do want to hear the, the faith based and even the reason based stuff, but I just like when he's explaining yeah. like the stuff. So for those of you who don't know Jimmy Aiken, he is one of the apologists for Catholic Answers. And one of his side podcasts that he does is Jimmy Aiken's Mysterious World, where he just takes weird and mysterious things about the world and space and explains them from a faith and a reason perspective. Yeah. It's really cool. It is. It's really good. It's pretty unbiased, too, for the most part. Totally. Yeah. Like uh, the Bigfoot one. Yeah. I mean, that that was was actually not unbiased. He totally said he doesn't exist near the end. But I believe. So, moving on. It's true, uh, I've seen him. I also watched Zombieland Double Tapped because it has Woody Harrelson in it. Why would that have anything to do? Just kidding. That's a perfect I know. segue. I know. It's it just, almost like you it just, just came to me. I know. It's beautiful. Anyways, so the reason why that's a great segue is because the other thing that I took in is called The Glass Castle, which is a movie which also has Woody Harrelson as uh, one of the main characters. So this is a movie that was requested. Might have been requested. It definitely was requested. Okay. Oh, well, you're right. So to be honest, we don't really know. We think it was requested by Liz Flores a really, really long well, time ago. Well, I know ago. it was Liz Flores. Yes. And she did request. Something. Yes. Here's the problem. So the reason why it's been at least a year yeah, yeah, maybe closer to I, two I would say a year so the whole reason why it took us so long is because we've been trying to find the movie well she told us the glass mansion i think and so we've been trying to find or at least that's what we had in our notes mm-hmm. and so we've been trying to find this movie called the glass mansion but it's really called the glass castle yeah there's the glass house there's a glass house which is like, like a, a horror, horror film yeah and the glass castle which and there's is, glass which, which we've we also did. done. So we're just trying to work our way through it and eventually so we'll get we'll the right do, movie. We'll get the glass house Nate later. <laughs> yeah. So eventually we think we found the movie that she was trying to to tell us about. So Liz, hopefully this is it. Let us know if it's not and we will try and fix our mistake. So without further ado, uh, basically this is a based on a real story drama. We go back and forth between a few different time periods. It's mostly um, focuses around the character Jeanette, played by Brie Larson. Uh, she's the second oldest of four kids. And the majority of the movie is a flashback to her growing up and mm. their experience as a family. Yeah. So they were extremely poor and they never really stayed in one place very long. And, and they basically just scammed their way around and their whole thing was kind of like adventure and learning through life. So they never went to school or anything until they were like in high school. Uh, and that was only because they made the effort to to go. But they just kind of like bounced from place to place all the time. Lived in the back of a car. And that was basically their experience. And so they were really, really poor to the point where they were often starving to death. Their dad, you find out later on, is a, is a drunk and spends what little money they do have on alcohol and stuff like that. And it's really just the journey of how they survive and how they grew up and how they developed and became who they were. But then this whole time, you're also seeing what they're like as adults mm. and some of the consequences of 
the the stress mm-hmm. between the parents because you you do see there's a, a lot of not a lot but there's there's abuse in a lot of different ways throughout this where uh, the dad Woody Harrelson's character was abused as a kid and he that's why he drinks and sometimes he takes it out on the mother and she loves him and doesn't want to leave and thinks that ultimately like staying together is, is what's best for the family, even though like she wants to leave sometimes, but she doesn't. And so there's this whole thing where they actually run themselves into having nothing. And they're literally at the end living on the streets of New York city while their kids are all gone. They're pretty well off. Some of them are actually quite wealthy and they're kind of just living their life. And you see in the opening scene, she's riding in a cab and the dad comes up to the cab to like beg for money. And then she recognizes who it is and she just turns away and ignores him. And so you see kind of this weird connection. Mm. And then as the story progresses, you get a flashback to when they're a little bit older and now they're trying to run away from home. And so you see the consequences of that in this development. And in the end, spoiler alert, we find that the father, Woody Harrelson, after they've broken all ties with him, Jeanette has, she finds out that he's he's dying. And so we have this reconciliation. And so that's kind of the, the general overview of the story. We'll go through a few things. I'm not as concise as you are, so please just keep me uh, kind of in control here. But we'll just go through some of the characters. It mostly focuses just around their family. Got it, yeah. So it's Jeanette, played by Brie Larson. Rex, who's the dad. That's Woody Harrelson. Uh, Rosemary played by Naomi Watts, and that's the mom. And then the oldest sister is Lori. She's usually pretty quiet and keeps to herself for okay. the most part. And then there's Brian, who's the only boy, and he's the third. And then there's Maureen, who's the youngest. And the only real other reoccurring character is David, who is Jeanette's fiance. Okay. When they're older. Yeah. Um, and then there's actually the grandparents, so Woody Harrelson's parents. Now, when you say so and so plays them, do they play the older version or the younger version? Uh, they play the adult version. Okay, that's what I thought. I didn't recognize any of the child actors, so no, I that's just fine. I was just making out. sure when I'm picturing this, it wasn't like a young Brie Larson. Oh, yeah. Like a, she's the older version. No, this just came out in like 2017 or 2018 or something like that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So. Yeah. So and apparently, we're the only ones who never heard of this movie. Uh, I guess I don't know. When I brought it up, a lot of people had known about it. Yeah. So early on in the movie, when we're in one of the flashbacks, we see that the mom is an artist, the dad, we don't really know what he does, but she's kind of just ignoring the kids and she actually makes them cook for themselves. And so they actually learn a lot of cool skills and they learn a lot of cool things just from living life, but they never have a formal education or interact with other kids. And so you see there's kind of the social awkwardness for a while too. And as Jeanette is cooking the dinner for herself, she spills hot water all over her and gets really, really bad burns. Mm. And so they bring her to the hospital and the doctor is really, really concerned at like how the parents are acting and stuff. And so he calls in like a, a social worker and the social worker is like trying to get Jeanette to say something to make the parents look bad enough that they could take the kids away. And eventually when Rex comes in, the doctor says that these kids are not getting proper care in quotes 
And Rex's response is, now, my family won't eat for three months so that you can drive a Cadillac. You're part of a system that is getting rich off the human need to survive, Doc. Do you call that proper care? And so we kind of brought this up shortly last week, but just the um, the value of the human person, mm-hmm. I think, is something is a very, very small theme here. But I think it's something that's uh, enough to kind of touch on. So I, I just think this, this whole movie in general, as we kind of see it, is like a, a movie talking about values okay. in just different ways. So right. kind of keep that in mind as we go through. There are, um, it reminds me of, I mean, this is more on the extreme of Woody Harrelson being an, like more of an abusive or, or ne- neglecting father, but out of circumstance and out of his own, you know, like troubles. But it reminds me of a, one of my favorite movies, uh, Captain Fantastic, where it's a dad who raises I've his kids off the grid. And so like he teaches them, he teaches them how to hunt, he teaches them how to grow food. And they're not like actually, I don't know if it's like they have birth certificates or anything. They're not actually like, registered anywhere because of that. And it's like his, his values mm-hmm. versus society's values. Right. But then because it's his values, there's a little bit of pride there. And it's like, are those values necessarily also true or good values? Mm-hmm. And it seems like this is what this kind of story tells is like the truth of values in the world of society and wealth and all these good things versus like their poverty but also he wants to instill good values on them and try to be a good father even though he's like drinking and broken right it's like through that does he give them good values does that ring true yeah and i'm definitely going to hit on this with a few other scenes and you'll, you'll see it where even though like you know that what he's doing is really questionable and a lot of the times what he's doing is wrong there's also some times where you're like that's really true. Like there's a lot of really good. And so this actually, this next scene, I don't want to go into a bunch of detail because otherwise it's just going to take too long. Yeah. But essentially they cause a distraction and they sneak her out without paying anything. And then they just flee town and they're just gone. And so as they're driving away, they're talking about how eventually they're going to settle down and they're going to build their dream house. And he Mm -hmm. pulls out these blueprints while he's driving. And so the mom kind of like reaches over and takes the wheel and, they talk about how the entire thing is going to be made of glass. So they feel free. The light can come in and that's their glass castle. And this whole movie, uh, when they're doing the flashbacks, they're always talking about, we're going to have our glass castle. And anytime they start talking about it, the kids will get excited. And they're like, Oh, can I have this in the glass castle? Like, of course you can. We'll just move this. And he's actually a really good designer. And so he'll like show them how he's like changing the blueprints and stuff. And he will stay up all night making these blueprints for him. And eventually as they're driving he just like pulls off the road because they're talking about how the doctor said they had to get a real education and he's like you want to see a real education i'll educate you right now so they pull off and they're in the middle of the desert and he's just like you see those trees over there and he starts telling about those trees and you see the stars up there starts telling about the stars and it's like all this really good stuff that like these kids are going to know a lot of like random stuff like this that other kids their age would have no idea about but the thing i really want to bring up a couple things from this scene is the mom being an artist, she's like not really paying attention to like all the lessons and stuff, the sun setting. And so she runs o- over and finds this tree. It's like one of this lone trees out in the desert. And she goes down and she starts painting it. And she's talking to J- Jeanette and she says, the wind has been beating that tree down since the day that it was born, but it refuses to fall. It's the struggle that gives it its beauty. And I think there's a lot of truth to that in, in our own lives and in our spiritual lives too, 
I, I don't think it's something we need to elaborate too much on because I think it's pretty straightforward. Yeah. But like the beauty sometimes in our personhood is our ability to still choose the good after falling. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think that's pretty powerful. Yeah. Our past is definitely what creates our future. Yeah. 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 And meanwhile, so after that, Jeanette is having trouble sleeping because of the burns. And so she wakes up her dad and they go over to the fire, the bonfire, and he starts taking her bandages off. And this is a scene that comes back later. So make sure I talk about this because it's, it's a really big one. But as he's taking the bandages off, he she's really afraid of the fire. He's like, oh, you don't need to be afraid of the fire. And he explains that there's really no sense to life. It's like these flames. It kind of just moves and goes. There's there's no point to life. It's random, like this fire. And he's like, does that make any sense? She's like, no. He's like, uh, I'm not sure it makes any sense to me either. And so he's kind of just like saying these big fancy things. And she's like, oh, it doesn't really make sense. He's like, yeah, it doesn't make sense to me either. But he still says it. And so it's like this idea that even in his words, like not wanting to believe that there's any direction to life, he's admitting that like even when he says it, it doesn't make any sense to him that there has to be something. Right. But it's an like an easy out. Yeah. An easy answer. Exactly. Especially when he's trying to just explain something away to his right. daughter. Right. Yeah. Um, so flashback just really quickly to the present. And Jeanette, they're back in New York City. She's uh, engaged to David. And she has a lot of money now because he's a wealthy banker in New York City. And she's talking to her mother the day after she saw them in the streets and drove by. And Rosemary is a little bit more laid back and she's kind of just like in between the father and the, the kids. And so Jeanette says, I have a little bit of money now. I can help you. And Rosemary says, we're fine. You're the one that needs help. Look at you. Your values are all confused. And I think there's something to that too, where we see this throughout the movie too, is Rosemary and Rex are adamant in staying poor the entire time, no matter what. Mm. And they have this, one of the things they butt heads about is that when the kids go off and start getting money and changing their life, lives and stuff, their quote unquote values start to change. Um, so I don't know if you want to speak on, on that or if that's too straightforward to you. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily straightforward. I mean, there are straightforward things. I think there's like, like you were just saying, well, we were talking about that when we're talking about values and like that there is truth to aspects of this movie. And then it's like, that's also not true. And so I think this goes back to the last episode and we were talking about physical evidence like leading to like this forked tongue or this forked path and yeah. different possibilities. And so I think, you know, for Rex money and success or whatever probably leads back to, uh, seeing the only person that's really, they really had that, which is probably his father or other people, you know, people that raised him with those things mm. and there's wounds there. So for him, it's like those things only lead to bad. That can be true. You know, we know that if, if money, if success, if going off and creating your own life and making things about you, if those become your idols or false gods, as you will, mm. definitely going to be a downfall. You know, you can't worship two masters. You're going to just love one, hate the other, or, you know, despise one and, you know, that type of thing. However, you, you don't, 
get to choose your circumstance and there you, you know you can't choose to be poor because you know he has you just said he's a great architect or like like creative mind builder he has this gift and this talent and he's bearing it because he wants to like you know bearing that talent in order for when the father comes back to be like here i didn't lose it right but he's not going out and using it to right. make make more right and like there's a fault too to not going out and to make a living and to make money and so there's like yes but also no yeah no i, I think that's good so a little bit happens uh, i'm kind of just going to skip over stuff but uh one of the scenes i want to pull out is eventually they settle down for a little bit longer like a couple months in one location and they they we find out that they go to the swimming pool for showers and stuff and so they're like hanging out at the pool but we find out because they never stay in one place the kids don't know how to swim and so they're all just kind of sitting on the edge and Jeanette you can tell she wants to swim but she's like hugging the side you know like little kids do and Rex doesn't like that like there's something about him like he wants to teacher to swim but he's also kind of frustrated because rosemary wants him to go move back home with his parents mm. he doesn't want to do that so he takes her and he starts throwing her and throwing her and throwing her and she can't swim so she's like drowning and everyone in the pool stops and stares at them and eventually she gets away and she like gets to the edge and crawls out and runs and he chases her down and like grabs her and she says get away from me you tried to kill me and he replies Hey, I would never let anything bad happen to you, but I can't let you cling to the side just because you're scared. If you don't want to sink, you need to learn how to swim. Now, the way that this scene takes place is really, really bad. Right. And it ends up getting even worse after this. If you want to know what happens next, go watch it. But he just makes the situation even worse. But there's a lot of truth into what he said right there. And what this made me think of, I don't know if you ever saw... Do you know Francis Chan? The he's a Protestant pastor. No. So he makes some really cool videos a lot of times and there's this one called the Balance Beam skit. Okay. And so he's giving like a sermon basically on how we live our lives like basically it's this. So he tells his testimony which is insane like all the stuff he's gone through. But he's talking about how he literally has this balance beam on the stage and he's like, "Can you imagine a gymnast coming up here?" on this balance beam and you're just going to climb on just real careful. Like, and you're just going to lay there for 30 seconds. And then when you feel like you're done, you're going to just let go. And then you throw your arms up. Can you imagine God saying like, this is your life? Like, good job. Like, that's so impressive. But he's like, that's how we live our, our lives. A lot of the time we, we keep ourselves so safe that we're not willing to risk anything and, and to grow. Um, and so that's kind of what it made me think of. And I did not do that video justice. So go check it out. We'll put a link in, in this video, uh, in this, uh, the show notes, but it, it's really, really good and insightful a lot, a lot to help us realize we need to sometimes risk a little bit, mm-hmm. especially in America, like Christians in America, no matter how much we complain about how hard it is to be a Christian or a Catholic in America right now, it's not. Yeah. Like it's super easy and we make it even easier on ourselves by not actually doing anything radical. And so I I think there's something to this where I would never let anything bad happen to you. So this is like the father like talking to us, but anything else you want to say before I cut it all? No, totally. And even the, uh, I think that, I think, no, I think it's really self-explanatory even with the metaphor of the, the drowning 
and and the swimming yeah i think it's you know the only way you drown really is by not moving and then you're going to like sink or something but if you move your body even if you don't know how to swim you might might necessarily still drown like physically in real life so don't just jump into the pool and just like try to like flow your arms i'm not telling you to do that but spiritually like if you move and you try one you will like hopefully gain momentum and and go somewhere but also this goes back to like saint Teresa's little way and the idea of you know if you're just if you're just like a if you jumped into a pool and you can't swim, metaphorically speaking, and you don't move and you're just like, okay, God, help me. Okay, God, help me. I'm drowning. God's not going to help you by doing that. But if you are trying to swim and trying to do something and you're still not necessarily like you need his help because ultimately you will, like we have to rely on him. That's when he's like, okay, like now that you're trying and you need me, I can hear help you and lift you up. And that's like her idea of this little way of like, God just wants us to try. Whether we're going to prove it or fail, if we try and fail, he realizes and we realize in our hearts we need him. And then he comes and lifts us up. And that's like the stairway, the elevator to heaven was her metaphor. Yeah, there's the Mother Teresa quote, the I, God doesn't ask you to be successful. He asks, asks you to be faithful. Right. Yeah. And that's it. Being faithful isn't one clinging to safety but also one just jumping into what's dangerous and not doing anything yeah for sure cool so the next thing it's really short but they get run out of town after this because he he makes it so much worse and as they're packing up they pack up the whole house and he's like i don't want to go i'm staying here because they want to go to west virginia to live with his parents again and he's like i'm not going back there yeah (laughs) yeah and so they all get in the car, everything's in there, and he's just laying on the floor in the kitchen, just laying there. And there's kind of a funny scene in there. But the point, part I want to point out is they're all yelling at him from the car, like, come on, like, we're waiting for you, like, we need to go before, like, the cops were literally coming after them. And at this point, they've been in so much trouble, like, they had the feds coming after him. And at one point, Rosemary yells out, you are the head of this family. And she just leaves it at that. And I don't think we need to elaborate too much in that other than like the responsibility of men to act like men and to be the head of head of the household mm-hmm. I and mean, we can talk about ephesians 5 and all that stuff if you want but i think a lot of the times we as men really fall short at our responsibilities and obviously like i'm not married so i can't speak into a lot of stuff but i think there's something to the idea of him just laying on the floor when his family needs him no, so I think it goes into, you know, the, there's the, the mystical body and like God is like the head of that, of, of that. And we all have like parts of the body and what is a body without a head, but just to, like a diver. Mm-hmm. And so like right now he's literally choosing for this body, which is his family to just be decapitated. Yeah. By not choosing to be the head. Yeah. Yeah. But they do move to West Virginia. They move into his parents' place and the very first dinner, the like their whole dinner together, the mom, so their grandma is extremely rude. She's like, that's your daddy. He's as stubborn as a mule and dumb dumb as a pigeon. And Jeanette starts cussing her out. She's like 12 years old and starts cussing out her grandma. And Rex, even though he was the one who was just insulted, stands up for the grandmother. So there's something about like this respect of parents. Um, But there's also something way deeper that we'll find out later on too. Later that night, 
Jeanette wakes up and finds her dad is working on the glass castle again. And he says something that's kind of cool. He's like, that's why we're here. It's our chance to start over. First thing tomorrow, I'm going to look for a place to lay the foundation. And there's something about starting with the foundation. He says that over and over again. He says before any of that can happen, he's like going through all the cool things that are happening. Before any of that can happen, we need a good foundation. Now let's start digging. And they decide they're going to do the whole thing themselves, all the construction, everything. So it's like a bunch of middle school kids right. and their yeah. dad. Yeah. And so it's like years later and they're still digging the foundation. They're like, when is this going to be deep enough? And they, they don't really get anywhere, but there's this idea like we need to lay a good foundation. And the, the truth is they never lay a good foundation in the family. And that, that's part of it. Um, at least, well, in some ways they do, but it's really covered up by a lot of hurt. Right. So, and another thing to what you just said is all they do is lay a foundation, mm-hmm. which goes back to the, the pool scene. Yeah, for sure. Like that's, they're only doing one thing. They're not moving on. Yeah. And that actually ties into what happens next. Cause they put all their effort into trying to like fix up the house that they have. They got, they got a junker and they're trying to build like the glass castle outside on the, on the lawn and they actually don't buy food. And so there's a scene right after this where they actually take butter and sugar because that's all that's left in their house literally that's it Hmm. they mix it together and that's what the four kids eat because there's nothing left and so they bring it up to rex and he just takes all the money and then comes back drunk later that night and so i want to point this out is like sometimes we focus all of our efforts on one aspect of our our being and we neglect the others and so it's really really important that we be mindful of our spiritual, our mental, our social, and our physical balance. Because when one thing is hurt, another is affected. And I think that's something we have talked about, like personally, you and I, a lot in the last year or so. And especially now that we're in Exodus, it's kind of come up again, where if you stop exercising or you're eating poorly, you're more likely to give in to like being slackful in your prayer or stuff like that. And everything's kind of connected. When you let one thing slide other things start to slide too. And so you can't just put all your eggs in one basket. Yeah. So after this, there's kind of a cool little scene where she comes up to him drunk that night and he expresses that like, she's the only one that like still cares about him and trusts him. And so he's like, I'll do anything. Just one thing, whatever you want, I'll do it. And she's like, can you stop drinking? And he's like, I need some time to think. But in the morning he comes to her as she's waking up and he's like, I'm going to go upstairs for a few days. I need you guys to go outside and not come in and, and give me a drink. Like never give me a drink, no matter what I say. And eventually he, he goes clean and they have like the best couple months in the entire movie and everything's good. They have a good Christmas. Like there's all this good stuff. And there's this part during that night where he says, this is directly to Jeanette, I'm dying. If you don't get me a drink, I'm going to die. That's a scientific fact. Do you want me to die? Do you want your daddy to die? And she's like, I, I can't, dad. I, I promised you. Or he says, I don't care about your stupid promise. Just get me a drink. And so I think this is insightful into Lent too. Because right. this is how we react. We give up fast food and we're like, I'm going to die if I don't get a Whataburger. And we like blow things out of proportion. He actually was going through some agony because yeah, like, he, he was, was actually detoxing, legit detoxing. Yeah. But we act like that with our Lenten promises a lot. 
Yeah. And we blow it up and literally say some of the same things that he says in that. And I just think that's something that's kind of connected to where we are right now in our, our spiritual journey. But a lot of good comes from that. And so after this, they go to celebrate. And so they go on vacation, the parents do. And as they do, the kids go to stay with their grandparents. And this is where things start to get weird <laughs> and like not in a good way. Because while they're there, uh, they actually find, they stay in their dad's room. And they find some of his poetry that he wrote. And it was really, really dark. And then as Jeanette is like walking upstairs, she overhears something in her grandma's bedroom and walks in. And uh, if you have kids listening right now, this might be a good time to pause it, come back later. As she walks into this room, the grandma is molesting her brother. And they freak out. All the kids, all four of them attack the grandma and like free Brian. And later, when they bring it up to Rex, he freaks out at the kids and blames them and says like, shut up. I don't want to hear another word about what did or didn't happen. Brian's a man. He can take care of himself. Can't you, Brian? He's like, you're supposed to cover it up. And it doesn't, he doesn't say it, but it's obvious this is what happened to him. Right, exactly. Growing up. And so yeah. we see that there's like this abuse that's being perpetuated and, and covered up. Uh, and I think we can obviously tie that into uh, our experience in, in the church in the last year and in the last couple of decades. We have a specific episode on that, so we don't need to go into detail. But is there anything you want to say there before we keep jumping forward? I didn't really expect that. But I think, yeah. you know, that's one of those things where you're like, how, how could that happen? How can we let that happen? And it, that's like kind of what you just said. And, and Liz, who requested this, or with this requested collateral beauty which mm -hmm. talks about how or why or how to deal with things that we can't explain or like the question, like how, how can God let that happen? Um, so I think if there's anything with this part, if you're still listening, um, that you're like, I want I would go to that episode and listen to some of those themes. Cause that, beauty. yeah, that definitely explains it. I don't know what the name of the episode was called. Sadly, the reason why the only why the only why. Yeah. Uh, we had another episode on, uh, the kite runner yeah. that was on, Yes. The abuse crisis. Yeah, that was a hard episode. That was a big episode. Yeah. Uh, so we can put links to those yeah, in here too. sure. Just kind of going over a few things. So the next part, things get bad again. So they had that period of, of dryness. And as soon as they get home, he takes all their money again, goes out, spends it all drinking. And then they resolve, Jeanette and her siblings come together and they resolve to run away. Now at this point, they're still all like in middle school age. But uh, they end up getting to go to high school because they're staying in one place finally. And they start taking side jobs, raising up money. And they all pool their money. And whoever's the oldest takes the money and runs away. And it's Jeanette's turn. She's about ready to leave. And her dad, for whatever reason, they're both at the bar. They're like talking about something. And her dad uses her to play a guy. At, at pool like to trick him and uh in the end the guy lets slip that Jeanette is planning on running away soon and so Rex gets pissed and lets the guy take her to his apartment knowing what's going to happen exactly what he thinks is going to happen the guy tries to molest her 
but then she's like shows him her burn and he just like leaves her and they're driving home together rex and Jeanette. and yeah so he says i knew you could handle yourself it's like the time i taught you to swim and Jeanette says i don't care what irma did to you that's the grandma it's no excuse i'm moving to new york and there's nothing you can do about it but when she gets home she sees that he had already taken all of her money she found the hiding spot everything was gone Mm. and so she can't leave anymore and so there's this reference back to the swimming pool where we see in his drunken angry stupor whatever goodness came from that lesson earlier on is now completely darkened in her mind right um and so even though it was something that there was value in there even though he handled it poorly to begin with he's taken whatever good was there and just mixed it with this memory yeah, and then so we, we go forward and they have this engagement party and the homeless parents crash the engagement party with all these wealthy bankers and stuff. And you can imagine what that plays down like. Um, and it ends up getting into this open fight. And right before this happens, the youngest sister, who's now like college age, calls Jeanette and says she's leaving and moving to California and she's not going to be there for the wedding. And Jeanette's like, you can't leave. You need to stay. We, we need to stay together. We've always been together. And Maureen's like, that's not true. You just always thought it was. Um, and like this idea that they, they've always been together. And then this is where Jeanette starts to realize like, we never really were that united. Like even when we, we were trying to break away. After this, she completely cuts ties with the parents. Won't talk to them, won't answer calls, anything, until eventually Rosemary calls and tells Jeanette, leaves a voicemail saying that the dad is dying. And so eventually the siblings talk her into going back. Um, And as she's talking to the siblings, there's this flashback to when Jeanette was in college and she was about to have to drop out because she couldn't raise enough money anymore. And Rex shows up all giddy and excited, not angry acting just like he did the day she was in the hospital all like trying to cheer her up and he comes in he's like i told you so and all that stuff but then he drops thousands of dollars of cash on her uh on her bed it's like you're not dropping out uh and so this kind of like reminded her uh and in the flashback she's like you you did this for me and rex says since when is it wrong for a father to do something nice for his little girl and so it's just she's starting to realize like even in all that suffering there's a lot of these good things that happen there. So uh, as she's deciding to go to visit her father, David, the fiance, says, whatever they want from you, don't give in. You've been so much happier since they've been gone. And this is where we start to see this is really an unhealthy relationship because he's just like trying to pull her away from her family because mm-hmm. he doesn't like them. And she's like, have I? Like, have I really been happier? And she sees that it's not. And she ends up, um, I'm going to skip over this, but they essentially they have a dinner with this old couple and the old couple's like telling them exactly what she needs to hear about. Like, it's not about the money. It's about being with the ones that you love and stuff. So she runs away, goes to her dad. And that's where we see the flashback to the burn. So this is probably one of the big things. So in that same scene, it kind of like cut off, but this is the rest of it. So, she looks down as the bandage comes off and she sees her burn and she's like, it's so ugly, daddy. I look like 
the demon. Because the whole reason she woke up is because she thought she heard a demon. Um, and this is what Rex says. There's nothing ugly about you. One day, I promise you, you're going to look at this as just another sign of how strong you are. You're a Walls. That's their last name. Mountain Goat, which is her nickname. And we ain't like the other people. We got a fire burning in our bellies. That's proof of it. Now this knife, and he pulls out a knife, is especially made to hunt demons. It's very sharp, so don't take it out unless you see them. You can borrow it for the night. You know, all monsters are the same. They like to frighten people, but the minute you stare them down, they turn tail and run. Now I love you, Mountain Goat. and get some sleep. And so what this reminded me of, other than like the father speaking, like, you are beautiful, like, I'm going to protect you, I'm going to give you what you need to fight off these demons, is the rules of St. Ignatius. So the 12th rule, and I was telling you before, this is the rule that always, like, angers people because of the way that it's phrased. I'm not trying to say anything about what this is, it's just pay attention to the rule itself. Right. Okay? So it's kind of a long one, but uh, it says, this is the 12th rule of St. Ignatius, the enemy acts, talking about Satan, enemy acts like a woman in being weak against vigor and strong of will because as it is the way of the woman when she is quarreling with some man to to lose heart taking flight when the man shows her much courage and on the contrary if the man losing heart begins to fly the wrath revenge and ferocity of the woman is very great and so without bounds in the same manner so this is only like the first part of it but you get the point so essentially what it's saying correct or not what it's saying is uh satan is very weak when you actually stand up to him and that's exactly what rex is saying in that conversation right so anything you want to add to it yeah i think the other thing is just that the entirety to the scene of although very human in his mistakes just this the same way the father looks at us he's like you're not like there's nothing that isn't beautiful about you like you are beautiful and you're i know right now that looks hideous and that looks like the worst thing but you're going to realize later that you wouldn't have the strength or the virtue or whatever gift that you have later in life without this and this is going to be like a mark and a sign of it and here is a tool to fend off the enemy Mm. who mm-hmm. will who could do this to you again like here like here not only like do you need to stand up against it but here is a weapon and like that knife is like you know our rosary or our, our right. you know our, our prayer our, yeah exactly exactly and so like it's it's this whole it's like that's a really cool scene of just like you're wonderfully made that mistake is going to lead to something great yeah it doesn't make sense right now but while you're still treaching through the darkness not like through something wonderful here's here's a here's a tool that you can use to to fight that battle it gets even better okay let's go so so as she's running this is in the present as she's running uh to go see her dad in the like rundown shack that they're staying in there's a short flashback to immediately after that scene where they're standing up and they're about to run out into the desert and he says you ready to go get that demon let's go and so together they run out into the the darkness and just like scream at the demons They're like together fighting back going off what you just said and then she gets there and so this is in the present and this is kind of where it ends but there's a kind of a closing few thoughts here 
So as they're sitting down and they're reconciling and they're having this conversation, he pulls out a binder with every story that she ever wrote. She, she became a journalist, a gossip journalist in high school to raise money. And eventually she became a journalist for like a big city, city newspaper. He collected everything. And she thought that he never supported yeah. her or anything, but he had every single article she ever wrote. So he pulls that out and this is what he says. I spent my whole life hunting for those demons in the wild. And the, and the entire time, they were hiding inside my own belly. A sad state to spend your life in, being afraid of your own self. I know it wasn't easy on you kids. I got a lot to regret about my life. But never forget how beautiful you are, Mountain Goat. And start... Mm, and smart, and creative, and strong. You're so strong. No little, no little girl should have to carry her daddy on her back. You ain't like me at all, Mountain Goat. You're not afraid. And she's like, Dad, I am like you, and I'm so glad. And that's basically their last conversation before he he passes away. Um, other than they're like, we never got to build that that glass castle. Right. And he's like, uh, Jeanette says, no, but we had a great adventure planning it. And so he passes away. And the very last scene is they come together for Thanksgiving dinner the year after he passes away, uh, which is actually the year I was born, for the record. Hey-o. Um, but I just want to point this last thing out, that Thanksgiving in Greek is Eucharist. So they come together for this one final meal of Thanksgiving where they come together as a family and they remember. And so that's the last thing I have. Anything you want to tie in? Who you are. Like, yeah. Simba. Works with everything. No, I think that's great. Like, it's this complete picture. And I think, I think what I like is that in the end, you kind of see this whole movie as the love of the father and teaching proper, like, values and virtues in a world where sin exists. Right. And like, it is an imperfect form because it's, that's it's what an I'm imperfect saying. person that's what I'm saying like he's he's human yeah and he's broken and he has free will and choices so it is some fault to his own but it's also none, no fault to his own and there is like i said it's just like this idea of the love of god the father being taught from someone through a broken world yeah um and i think what's a probably a big takeaway maybe could go into a challenge is trying to like really filter through the the lies or the things like the things that we can tell ourselves or who can tell us that isn't proper is what, what was the word you just used um it's um proper i don't know but like a messed up alternative of the like the true love of the father rather than imperfect is that what you said probably yeah, yeah. imperfect sure yeah anyway that's it that's the last thing I want to point out, this is more for you. This reminded me a lot of Big Fish. Okay. And like the dad telling extreme stories and stuff. Mm -hmm. So if you guys are mm -hmm. a fan of that movie musical book, uh, go check out our episode on that too. I didn't want to say this because of time, but I'm going to say it anyways. There's a scene and there's a scene, there's scenes in Captain Fantastic. One scene, they're in a grocery store and he fakes a heart attack so that they can run out with all the stuff without paying for it. <laughs> They, this is a bonding experience for them, right? Yeah, that's what and they do. And then there's another hospital. scene when they're at like his 
wife's sister, sister-in-law's house and they're like your children need a proper education no and way. he's like you want to see a proper education and calls down his youngest and then calls her kids and they're, they're like he's like can you name the amendments and they're like it's like the first 10 like the bill of rights or whatever and they're like hey can you name the amendments and he's like five and he names them off in order like word for word and he's like <laughs> who was this 35th president of the united states and he's like so and so and he was this and this and this and and then she's like okay we get it we get it we get it <laughs> and so yeah it's just yeah but he's he was There's also a lot of crossovers. he was also an imperfect father yeah yeah similar movie yeah uh i don't have any other challenges and i don't have any shout outs other than liz for recommending this and my brother clay shout out i'm excited to come home and and see you this weekend so cool I, that's I, all we got yeah well then thank you guys for joining us on this adventure uh if you want to check out other things that we do or other episodes that we have is your first time listening to us or your 127th time listening to us then uh you know you can check us out on our social media we have a facebook uh the christ and culture you know forward slash the christ and culture we have a twitter account i can't remember what we have anymore uh, <laughs> at on the adventure two uh, we have a, a website where you can find everything that's the christ and culture.com where we have content uh, other episodes we have a uh, connection to our youtube videos if you want to like listen on there if it's hard to find other things and who's on these episodes blogs we've written in the past or other people that have written that have just really helped make this thing come come to more fruition than it has that that whatever that means and then uh speaking of making this thing come alive if you want to support us in a way that can better this we're actually really close to being able to we're just talking about this like get like new equipment that might make us sound better and like might make these episodes just more clear easier to edit (laughs) uh, we won't stumble over our words because we can buy equipment to do that i don't know uh then we have a patreon at patreon.com forward slash the christ and culture we will give you uh, many, many thanks and different types of rewards and merch and and ways to spend time actually with us um, and, and spiritual reflections and things like that just by supporting us monthly um, in small or large financial amounts. Maybe free vacations. Yeah. Maybe. Probably not. Maybe. Could happen. Maybe. Never know. Unless you try. I'd give it a shot. Otherwise, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for joining us on the adventure. Adios, amigos. Amigos.